is global, is programmable and is open source. So it's, it's something really revolutionary. And on top of this layer, you can build whatever you want. And we're right now, we're really experiencing what's happening, right? It's not just asset classes, not, not just Bitcoin or investable asset classes, but we're creating a whole new world on top of the same settlement layer that was originally created for Bitcoin. You're listening to Crypto Savvy, the show that demystifies digital assets and uncovers all things cryptocurrency. Brought to you by the Hashkey Group, a leader in financial technology and digital asset management. Crypto Savvy, the essentials. Every bank in the world has a safe. And when it comes to traditional assets, nothing beats brick and mortar. Yet when it comes to digital security, providing the same safekeeping poses a number of challenges. Thankfully, we have people like Alessio Qualini, who is the CEO of Hextrust. This is a digital asset custodian set up in Hong Kong in January 2018 and has just been through a few rounds of funding. It's a growing business. It's a complex business. But listen as Alessio talks to us about the practical implications of custody in digital assets and how Hextrust approaches that. Thank you for joining Crypto Savvy. Joining me today on Crypto Savvy is Alessio Qualini, who is uh, here in Hong Kong and CEO of Hex Trust. Welcome to the show, Alessio. Thanks for having me, Walter. Fantastic. Now, Alessio, you're CEO of Hex Trust, and they're a digital asset custodian. Let's dive right into the shallow end of the pool. What is custody, and why does it matter in digital assets? Sure. So custody is really at the infrastructural level of the blockchain world and the financial service services that we provide to our clients. Custody, in a nutshell, really starts from the safekeeping of the assets, which is very important in the blockchain space because most of the assets are basically bare assets. So if transactions go wrong, the assets get lost. And these assets are controlled by private keys or pieces of private keys. And these private keys have to be kept very safe. On top of that, once we're able to safe keep the assets, we have to enable transactions that are done with these assets. And that's what custodians actually, in a nutshell, do. They safe keep the assets and they enable transactions happening on those assets. So Alessio, custody has been in the banking industry for hundreds of years. Uh, what is the ripple caused by digital assets that makes this even more complex? Digital assets in nature, they're very different from the digital assets that are not created on blockchain. As I was explaining before, digital assets on blockchain, they're bare assets. It means that once you hold the private keys that control the assets, you're actually in full control of the assets. If you lose the private key, you cannot access the assets anymore. If you give the private key to somebody else, that somebody else becomes the actual owner or controller of the assets. This is not the same in the traditional financial world where we do have digital assets, but they are issued or controlled by centralized entities. So if something goes wrong, there's always somebody that can rewind transactions. In the decentralized world, the private keys that control the assets are actually the final piece of control of the assets themselves. And hence, custody really has a very important role in this new market. 
Right. So instead of just safekeeping the asset, you're actually then the temporary owner and controller of that asset. Uh, let me correct you on that, if you allow me. I would say that we hold the control on the assets on behalf of our clients, but we cannot operate the assets without the instructions coming from our clients. Understood. And what are the additional complications that come from custody at an institutional level? Because you're dealing with regulated financial services companies and their ability to demonstrate their safe protection of their assets is kind of crucial to their existence. Sure. So that I think I would split this problem into two different parts. So the safekeeping part and the transactional part. On the safekeeping part, you already have a lot of complications. I'll give you some examples. So first of all, these assets do not only exist on one single blockchain protocol, but there are tens of blockchain protocols and different token standards that have been developed on top of each blockchain protocol. So when we talk about Bitcoin, it is a blockchain protocol. When we talk about Ethereum, it is a different blockchain protocol in the same way that Solana, Polkadot, Ripple, and Terra are all different blockchain protocols. On top of these blockchain protocols, you can create different types of tokens that have different characteristics and parameters. So for example, a token that represents a property on the metaverse is very different in nature from a token that represents a utility on a platform developed on Ethereum, right? So the, the role of the custodian becomes very complex because you have to be able to integrate different protocols that work in different ways. And they can be similar, but they can also be very different. And with the evolution of technology, they're becoming more and more complex. On top of that, on the safekeeping part, I would highlight, for example, the compliance piece of the equation, which is becoming more and more important. So custodians, since we control the assets, we're responsible to make sure that AML issues and anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing are actually under control. So we have to monitor transactions. We have to screen them on behalf of our clients. We have to notify our clients if something is not how it should be. And in some cases, we even have to notify the regulators if we identify transactions that by regulation should be reported to the competent authority. Okay. Now, Alessio, I'm an institutional investor. I am exploring digital assets. How do I go about selecting a custodian? What are the what are the criteria that I should be looking for? It really, obviously, it is not an easy an easy question because it depends on on a lot of things. But I would say that first of all, the first choice is whether you need a licensed custodian or not. So some institutional investors, by regulation, need to select a licensed custodian or an eligible custodian. And the relevant regulation for the specific institutional investor will tell you what kind of licensed custodian you can select. I'll give you a very simple example since we're here in Hong Kong. If you are an SFC licensed institution, you can only select eligible custodians to safekeep your assets. And eligible custodians are either banks or trust companies with a certain minimum regulatory capital. So 
to answer your question, the first thing, you have to identify the regulatory framework within which you can operate. The second thing, I would say that it really depends on your business model. So some institutional investors have high frequency trading requirements. And in that case, they have to make sure that their custodian is set up in a way that can actually support a lot of transactions quickly throughout the day, probably on a 24 by 7 basis. So it's basically a custodian that supports some kind of hot wallet or automatic settlement circuit. If you are a, an investor that is more kind of a buy and hold investor and you're not going to kind of actively manage your assets, you might want to select a custodian that offers, for example, an ample insurance coverage for your assets and a very secure cold air-gapped environment to safe keep your assets. Thirdly, I would say that probably the geographical presence and the client servicing also has a big impact. We're talking about a market that more or less works on a 24 by 7, 365. But at the end of the day, custodians are companies and very few custodians are able to operate on a 24 by 7 basis. So the geographical component actually has a critical impact on the selection of the custodian because you want to have somebody that is actually operating in the same time zone that you're operating. You don't want to be trying to access your assets in Los Angeles when your custodian is in Singapore. Yes, and not only that, you want to make sure that, for example, if you're following the uh, public holidays, the Asian public holidays kind of schedule, right? you select a custodian that is not going to be not available during some somebody else's kind of public holiday schedule. Understood. Now, what was the genesis to the Celestio? You and I were speaking just prior to the show, and you said that the, the thinking behind Hextra started way back in 2017, which is only five years ago in the real world, but about 500 years ago in mm. crypto. <laughs> exactly. So, well, the genesis of the company is really about meeting First of all, the right person, a very experienced software engineer that worked in financial markets for a very long time, my co-founder, Rafal Czerniaski, and the fact that we shared common ideas on the role of blockchain in the development of financial markets. When we started our conversation, we looked at the blockchain and we thought that it was very a very interesting piece of technology for a couple of reasons. The first one is that it allows you to create new assets that didn't exist before. And it's not something that happens on a daily basis that you can create new assets, right? It usually takes tens of years or centuries to create a new asset class. And sorry, just for the listeners, an asset class would be something like fixed income or property or equity. Exactly. A commodity, property, equity, so shares in a company. And suddenly or debt. we've got exactly. now digital assets as a whole new asset class that the industry is trying to figure out how to manage. Exactly. And got how it. to classify what kind of investment it is and how correlated it is to the other invest asset classes so that you can kind of understand how to diversify your portfolio. And the second aspect of it was that all these new asset classes that are created on top of the blockchain, they actually are created on top of a settlement layer that works on a 24 by 7 basis, is global, is programmable, and is open source. So it's, it's something really revolutionary that destroys all, all the silos of regulation, of systems, of markets, infrastructure that has been built 
over the last 50 years in the financial markets. And on top of this layer, you can build whatever you want. And we're right now, we're really experiencing what's happening, right? It's not just asset classes, not, not just Bitcoin or investable asset classes, but we're creating a whole new world on top of the same settlement layer that was originally created for Bitcoin. Right. And you mentioned whole new worlds. I understand that Hex Trust is even a custodian of land in the metaverse. That seems like a fairly new asset class. Tell me about your capabilities in metaverse land banking. We are very proud of the fact that we read the market a little bit in advance. And since the beginning of 2021, we started working on integrating NFT technology into our custody platform. And I think we became the first licensed custodian to actually allow custody and transactions of NFTs on top of a custody platform. So based on that, we kind of ventured out into providing additional services. And right now we provide basically access and support for a number of digital assets that have been built on the metaverse. We already provide safekeeping and transactional services for land on sandbox. And we have a numerous clients that are already, that have purchased land and they are keeping the land in custody with us. Fantastic. And for those listeners who haven't heard NFT, non-fungible token, there are previous episodes where we dive into those. We have yet to really go deep into the metaverse, but the ability for corporations to purchase and, and hold on to their land is important because we're talking about land that's going for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of U.S. dollars. Absolutely. And I, I know that obviously you guys have a very nice building on the on one of the metaverse universe. We also purchased our own land. And I think this is really a paradigm shift and it's probably one of the most important killer apps that have been built on top of the of the blockchain. And I think this market is going to really become a huge market. And we are not even sure today what kind of use cases we will see in the next few months or years. You know, I have a personal prediction that we'll all be treating the metaverse by the end of this year much the way we do Zoom, that we'll be tired of meetings in the metaverse, but that may be a little a bit of an early call. <laughs> it could be, but let's see. You never know. This market is developing at a speed that we've never experienced before, right? And the acceleration is kind of exponential. So what, what is happening is really hard to predict. Alessio, a lot of our listeners are starting up their own blockchain-based company. Tell me how you went around the, the funding and the buildup of the company and what were some of the insights that you might share with listeners about that. And before you do, I do want to mention that Hashkey Capital has been and remains an investor in Hex Trust. So talk to us about the kind of getting the money. Well, getting the money, <laughs> it can be the easiest or the hardest thing in a, um, in a startup journey. And it also kind of changes over time, right? It really depends on where the market is and how, how the trend is evolving, etc. When we started the company, we had access to direct funding since the beginning. So I would say that we were kind of lucky to bootstrap the company initially. Then 2018 and 2019 came and the market completely dried up. It was two years in which nobody was talking about blockchain anymore, or at least significantly less than before. 
and it was it became quite uh, much harder to actually get funding from from the company but we used that period of time to actually put our head down and build because we thought that the infrastructure that we will build eventually would become the infrastructure that everybody would have to use to either provide services in the digital asset space or to buy services in the digital asset space. After that period of time, 2020 came, business, obviously a lot of attention came back to the blockchain world. We went to market with a very competitive platform. We started onboarding clients and we were able to close a Series A institutional round that is the one where Hashkey participated in at the end of 2020. Fantastic. And obviously that's allowed you to expand. I understand you've opened new offices in Singapore, Vietnam. Where else are you growing your services and or offering. Yeah. So right now we basically have two parallel offices in Hong Kong and Singapore. They're completely independent and operationally independent. We have licenses in both Hong Kong and Singapore so we can operate businesses from our business from both offices. We also have a specialized office in Vietnam mainly for technology for the time being, but we are exploring additional opportunities in the region. Looking into this year, 2022 in Q1, we're opening an office in the Middle East. And in Q2, we'll be opening an office in Europe. So the idea is to really become a global player by the end of the year. Great. And what are some of the new products that we can anticipate from HexTrust as you continue your development? We were mentioning before that custody is kind of the, the infrastructural piece that allows us to kind of build products and services on top of them on top of it. So I would separate the additional services into two categories. You have traditional financial services and blockchain specific financial services. On the traditional side, you have the typical things of brokerage, financing, structure solutions, asset management, etc. So those are all services that we're gradually bringing to market. All those services that our clients that start by being custody clients eventually would require from a financial institution to provide to them. On the other side of the spectrum, you have all these blockchain-specific services that are a little bit harder to understand for outsiders because they didn't exist in the traditional financial world. We're talking about staking. We're talking about delegation of assets. We're talking about on-chain governance. We're talking about real-time pricing oracles, on-chain pricing oracles. We're talking about gateway, gateways between different blockchains. We're talking about wrapping and unwrapping or issuance of tokens kind of services. We're gradually entering into this space. We do believe that this is going to be a very, very hot space to be in. And we want to have a very competitive platform for all these blockchain-specific on-chain services. And in a very competitive environment, what makes Hex Trust stand out? Well, I think we have a very, since the beginning, we have a very clear positioning on bringing the most institutional, compliant, enterprise-grade, scalable platform for institutional investors that want to enter a business. On top of that, I think we have a very clear positioning in Asia. And Asia is the continent where we believe that we will see a very significant growth of the 
the whole blockchain ecosystem. So, Alessio, five years ago, this was a concept. Today, it's reality. Five years from now, where would you foresee yourself in the business and the industry? Well, I think the the financial institutions that we're building today in this blockchain world, they're going to be the JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, the clear stream of the future, right? And the speed of change is really accelerating. So I wouldn't exclude that blockchain players, actually, I mean, we're already seeing it with Binance or Coinbase, right? Having really the size of the same traditional financial institutions and they built the whole thing in a few years. So I would believe that in the next five years, we will see lots of blockchain players actually entering the, the ranking of the top 10 financial institutions globally. And we hope that Hextrust is going to be in this ranking. Certainly, we'll look for it and we'll uh, come back and follow up when it is. So thank you so much for walking us through custody for digital assets. Alessio Qualini from CEO of Hextrust, been great to have you as a guest. Thank you so much, Walter. Thank you again to Alessio Qualini, CEO of Hextrust, for that great review of custody with digital assets. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and wherever you get your podcasts, like and subscribe. This is Crypto Savvy from the Hashkey Group, and I'm Walter Jennings. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy, the podcast that delivers the essentials, brought to you by Hashkey Group.